Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here to share lessons and experiences in sports performance and professional development. I'm joined with Team Canada Beach Volleyball players, Julie Juju Gordon and Shanice Marcel. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. How are you, Matt? Good, good. Always a good day when, when I can record a podcast and catch up with friends. So a little bit of background about how I know these guys. The first time I met them, it was at the TCU Beach Volleyball little winter Christmas party. And I technically wasn't with the team yet. I was starting with them in January. So I was kind of like just starting to feel everything out. And then they were kind of off in the corner-ish. <laughs> they we were all for, didn't belong there. Yeah. So they were there for a train trip. I wasn't with the team yet. So we kind of just like, you know, met in the middle. We were all on the same page. And then um, I don't know how you guys know Hector, but basically they know the head coach. Uh, and the assistant coach of the TCU Beach Volleyball team, and they'll come stateside um, for, you know, three, four-day training trips, get some humidity in. Um, and because it's during the day, because, you know, they're professional athletes and they can do what they want. Um, if I have a little break in my day, I'll, I'll help shag and just do stuff like that. So I've enjoyed getting to, to know you guys, and I'm excited to hear your stories. So for those who are not familiar with you guys and your background, can you please share a little bit about that? <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Not all at once. You're <laughs> uh, so Canadian. Oh my gosh, I'm kidding. Uh, so my name is Shanice. Uh, I got into volleyball when I was in grade five. Um, started playing indoor, kind of alternated my summers between indoor and beach volleyball. Um, I'm from Victoria, so I'm from the west coast of Canada, for those of you that might know where that is. <laughs> but I'm currently living in Toronto now. Uh, Julie and I have been playing together for the last year and a bit. Um, and I've been playing for the beach national team since 2018. Um, yeah, and I've kind of just been in and out of Volleyball Canada, playing for the indoor team and switching back and forth between beach. And here I am now. <laughs> Denise is so modest. She's actually a legend for Volleyball <laughs> Canada, by the way. She played, what did you play? Junior national team? Indoor? Yeah, like indoor I, I, it always kind of switched for me. Like I started with the youth indoor national team. Then I took a summer to play uh, beach and I went to junior world championships or youth world championships. I honestly can't keep track of everything now. So <laughs> maybe that's where my modesty comes from is having a really bad memory. <laughs> Legend. How about you, Juju? Um, so I started playing volleyball in grade nine, or ninth grade, as the Americans say. Um, and that was just on like my high school team. I was really bad. I just was a girl that could kind of jump well. And I played like kind of every sport, whatever was in season is what I played. I started playing club volleyball in grade 10 um, and then I started to kind of figure things out so I switched to a different club um, about an hour away from where I lived and that was basically a stacked team where there were only I think one or two girls that actually lived in that city and everyone else commuted to get there and then I played um, in university that team actually ended up folding so I only played for two seasons at that school um, I then went for my final year. I took a year off. My final year, I went to a different school and played. Um, 
So that was at Laurier in Guelph. And then after that, I switched to playing beach volleyball. And I've been on the national team for, I guess this is my seventh year now. Yeah. Does this year count? I don't know, because there's no season, but this I'm not counting it. Year. Yeah. <laughs> this would be the seventh year. So how does one get into playing for the national team? Was it kind of just like you were at a, a regular tournament and someone was like, hey, I'm with, you know, Team Canada, come here? Or is it like you have to actively seek it out? Or how did that kind of come about? So I can speak to the beach side. Um, you So when I finished playing indoor, my best friend was looking for, she was already on the national team and she was looking for a new partner. And um, so her and I kind of took that task on together. So I played in a couple of tournaments um, representing Canada, but there's a difference between representing Canada and actually being on the national team. So um, after I played in a couple of tournaments, I then tried out. We host a Volleyball Canada hosts a tryout usually the late November, early December every year. And from there, um, they select a few athletes that receive government carding funding. Um, I think there are 12 girls and 12 guys this year. So there's eight developmental athletes, which is what Shanice and I are. And then um, four senior athletes, which are Brandy Wilkerson, Heather Bansley, Melissa Humana Perades, and uh, Sarah Pavin. Cool, cool. And for those that aren't as familiar with beach volleyball, like I once was one day, but now I'm an expert. <laughs> so so what is what is like a week in the life or a summer in the life of a pro beach volleyball player? Not too in-depth, kind of brief. There's like, I know that there's like one through five star tournaments and kind of just little intricacies that no one really knows about. I mean, if, if we're talking about what a week in our lives looks like, it's probably different than other people at different levels. But um, if we're in Toronto, we're training four times a week in the sand and then we're training uh, in the weight room four times, five times a week as well. Um, and then generally in the summer, I mean, not counting this summer because nothing is happening, <laughs> but generally in the summer, we're gone for weeks at a time traveling for events and we try and kind of lump them together so that we're going from like one event to another to another to try and save money um, and to try and like get a little bit more experience and be a little bit better prepared for the next event. And generally we're playing, like last year we played in China, I think four or five times. Um, we're in Asia a lot. We can be in Europe, depending on the tournaments. Um, but that's kind of what things look like for us. At least they did this past year. This year is a bit different. Which leads me into my next question. So being a pro athlete in a sport that's a little bit smaller, um, what's the most challenging part, kind of the most unexpected part of just like having to potentially like book your own flights, getting your own endorsements. I know you have some robotics endorsements on your gear and kind of just the smaller stuff about being a pro athlete in a smaller sport, if that makes sense. I think um, when you're younger, just learning how to manage yourself. I mean, as Janice and I get older, that's just what it is now. And we've accepted that and I'm biased, but I think we do a pretty good job <laughs> managing our team. Um, and yeah, looking for sponsorship dollars is always something that we're trying to actively seek out because we are responsible for paying for all of our own flights and accommodations. Like I mentioned, we do get some um, 
government funding. So we're lucky to get that, but that's more so to offset like our daily life costs, like rent and insurance and that sort of thing. So we're also lucky that we get prize money, but um, yeah, these types of things, like we're not able to bring a coach with us on the road, like to tournaments because we have to pay for ourselves to get there. So we have to get creative with our resources and try and just kind of extend um, our minimal resources and maximize what we can. And I think part of like the biggest challenge is realizing that it is a huge investment in yourself. Um, I think when you think about playing professional sports, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to live this grand lifestyle and things are going to be sweet. But the reality is, like it is a huge investment and you have to put in a lot of work like training practicing getting better in that sense but you also have to invest a lot of money invest a lot of your time like for me I haven't lived home in the last 10 years just because I have been pursuing this dream Um, and I think there's just a lot of behind the scenes investments that you have to make yeah exactly sacrifice whatever you want to call it but that's the like reality you have to make those decisions if that's something that you want to do so you guys are literally the entire show from the funding to booking everything to managing yourself on the road to managing you guys to managing yourself on the road to coaching yourselves and everything like that so definitely um, one of the more unique sports in that aspect. So hopefully this question doesn't blow up, but what's like the most non-cliche answer to good teamwork? Non-cliche answer? <laughs> I mean, I really just think like our communication, like Shanice and I are very different people. I am pretty outspoken and can't even help myself when I... <laughs> something comes to my mind that I like have to get it out there into the world whereas she is a little bit more quiet than I am but she does like obviously stand up for for what she believes in and will voice her opinion when things are important to her and like her and I have gotten a lot closer over the last year and a half and um, just accepting ourselves and each other for what we are and not trying to like change kind of each other if that makes sense like just understanding that like where I'm coming from is a different place of where Shanice is coming from and then just trying to kind of work from there is that cliche I'm so sorry if it is (laughs) no it's 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 just understanding where the other person is and coming from as opposed to just like trying to make it perfect if that makes sense so I would say that that is a pretty good answer. And then last question, that's not one of the ones I sent you. And if this is, you already have this answer prepared, then we'll save it. But your favorite tournament slash place you've traveled to thus far. Julie's traveled a lot more than I have for beach volleyball. But my favorite tournament would have been when we played in Chetumala, Mexico uh, this past year. Uh, we were in the qualifier for the event and like anytime you play in Mexico the fans are a lot of fun and the atmosphere is just really enjoyable to be a part of but like I said we were in the qualifier so it's a bit of like a do or die situation and we ended up qualifying Uh, it was our last event of the year and probably our the best event that we had so that one was really special for me yeah I'm the same I love playing in Mexico Um, really anywhere in Mexico I have like had good memories there, good tournaments. Um, I also really enjoy playing in Australia and in Stad, Switzerland. All around the world, very cool. So um, first big question, what is the coolest story each of you guys have thus far in your careers? 
Sinead, go for it, Mama. You got all the stories. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I have a lot of different stories, both across indoor and beach. Um, if I had to pick my like favorite volleyball story in general, it would be I played three years professionally in Europe uh, for indoor volleyball and. Um, it was my second year in Germany and I was more of a, like a role player for the team. Like I was always coming off the bench um, and sometimes I would get chances to start. But like the moment that I made errors, the coach would kind of pull me right away. So I struggled with those two years kind of with my confidence and um, just being sure of myself. Whereas like I came from university feeling really good about myself. I was player of the year when I graduated and I knew I had a lot to offer. So I spent like a whole year kind of really doubting whether I was able to do it or not. Um, and then in the, we made it to the finals. Um, and in the final series, we play <clears throat> a best out of five games. Yeah, so it can be very, very long. And you're at the end of the season and you want to just go home instead of spending more time in Germany. But <laughs> anyway, anyways, um, I was given the opportunity to start through the final series just because we had a couple girls that were injured, um, people that just weren't performing really well. And we were playing in game three at home and we were down in the fifth set uh, 12. We had, we had 12 and they had 13. And I scored the last four points of the game to win and it's kind of there's this picture of me after like I score the, the last point and I just like I can vividly remember like turning around after I scored and falling to the ground and just starting to ball my eyes out and I never cry in sports but I was just so overcome with like emotion that I actually did something that I believe that I could do but I felt like my coach and maybe some of my teammates couldn't believe in me so that that's for sure like my most special memory in volleyball hands down big time players make big time plays that's what i like to say no <laughs> and also with that you never know when your moment's going to come so you always got to be prepared for sure and exactly and you know some people can kind of take that that bench role or, or kind of that role playing role and kind of just is what it is you know i'll get my minutes when i get my minutes but when it's your time to make big minutes if you're prepared you know then you're going to get the role you want. So yeah, very, very cool story. So what about you, Juju? So I don't have like one particular story. I just think that it's so interesting how, like I'm big into just how everyone's individual paths kind of intertwine and like to how sports can bring people together. So I have like three examples of what I, what I mean by that. And that's three of the most important people in my life right now, which are Shanice, my boyfriend, Sam, and my best friend, Victoria. And I met Sam when I was in grade 11 and he's a year older. So he was like, I was playing 17U and he was playing 18U. I just remember one of my teammates pointing him out being like, oh, that's Sam Schachter. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Whatever. <laughs> Move on with my life. However many years later, we end up like reconnecting again, again through sport. And um, yeah, it's been like, we've been together now for over five years. So I just think that's cool, the things that sports can offer you. And then again with Shanice, when I was in university, I got flown out to, our team didn't make, um, we, we were bad. I mean, our team folded, so obviously we weren't great, but I, I was lucky enough to, to get flown out for an awards um banquet or whatever and I remember watching Shanice playing and I already knew obviously she was 
very talented player. She's racking up all the awards and the wins. Um, but watching her and me being like, damn, that girl is good. And then watching on TV with my dad, Shanice, I think it was when you got the Canadian Athlete of the Year. And it was like broadcasted on TSN or whatever. And we were watching that and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've like seen her play. She's very talented. Then now she's my partner, which is like just crazy how things can like kind of come back. Like you never know how these connections are going to come back around. Same thing with my best friend, Victoria. I remember a friend, like one of my friends was friends with her and he posted a picture on Facebook and I was like, Oh, like, that's so fun. They're all like at Wonderland having, that's like an amusement park. This is like, my story makes no sense, but they were just having a great time. I was like, Oh, that's nice. Two years later, me and this girl are like absolutely inseparable just through volleyball. I don't know. I just think it's so cool how everyone's paths, like you're individual, but we all get kind of, wrapped up in one another the power of sports and yeah. i guess that's another key aspect of teamwork is being each other's best hype man yeah. all this <laughs> all this all this cool stuff about shanice that that julie's just spitting out so um <laughs> definitely have to add that to that, that answer but yeah it's it's crazy just looking back and, and reflecting and um kind of like how you you like the stories and the more intangible things that's kind of what i want to do with this podcast is like the stuff you're never going to read about or while watching beach volleyball tutorials or like reading a textbook for a coaching certification. Like these are the coolest things about being in sport, whether it's the coaching or playing side, you know? So I now have this platform to record it in video and audio form and share it with some people. So um, even just kind of how, how we, we got together, just the outcasts at the, at the Christmas party and, and uh just just stuff like that so it, it's cool to kind of take a step back sometimes and realize how awesome it, it really is so very cool answer um next one what is the story kind of most fundamental bringing you to now kind of like that one one pivotal point thus far <laughs> too nice um well i think there's kind of like two stories for me almost when I was really young and getting involved in volleyball, I was very good right away. Just I somehow had like a natural affinity for the sport, natural talent. And because of that, a lot of people thought that like I didn't work hard um, or they thought that I wasn't maybe deserving of like my position on the team or uh, awards, things of that nature. And I like, I always took that stuff to heart because I, do think that I was then and that I still am now like a very hard worker um and I really prided myself on trying to like be better than everyone and not just have things given to me and when I was in I think I was in maybe grade seven or eight at the time there was this like ex-national team coach that had come to one of our practices and he like ran the training session for my high school or club volleyball team or whatever and at the end of the practice, he just kind of like pulled me aside for whatever reason and was like, you are never going to make the national team. Like you're too short, blah, blah, blah. It was just like almost spewing hate essentially, but just trying to be like real and honest because he was super old school like that. And I was just like a little kid, like bright eyed that this national team <laughs> coach was coming to train us and he said these things and I was like, what the heck? Um, so like I always held on to that and kind of use that as fuel to the fire I guess to always prove him wrong and I'm really proud that I did um, 
and I've had a lot of incredible experiences because of that. <clears throat> but I think the coolest story on the flip side of that for where I am now in playing with Julie and being a part of the, the beach scene, um, when I finished playing indoor volleyball, I had to get shoulder surgery because I my shoulder couldn't manage things from the indoor load. Um, so I did that. Then I decided that I was going to switch to beach full time <clears throat> and kind of throughout that journey like Julie was always posting on my Instagram like you got this like good luck with your recovery or whatever <laughs> and then I decided to play beach uh, I was training for like not even a month and I tore my ACL so then I was out for another year again having to recover from that surgery and again like Julie was posting all my stuff like you got this like you're gonna be fine like I didn't really know much of her at the time. I knew who she was and she was having her own successful career on the beach. And it was always kind of like, Oh, maybe one day we'll play together. And then once I finally got healed uh, at the end of the 2018 season, Julie kind of just asked me to go to a tournament with her. And I was like, this is my time to shine. Like this girl wants me to play with her. I'm so excited. And like, our first event, I, I don't think we made it out of the qualifier, but it was like, okay, she's actually in this for the long haul. Like she wants to do this thing with me. And I uh, was really appreciative of that. And then we spent last year together and just getting better and better. So I think it's kind of cool how that transpired. So it's, it's not that, it's not that kind of the team can't put you together. It's kind of like, I want to play with you. And you guys were like both available. <laughs> That's how it yeah, happened. Yeah, exactly. middle love story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Cool. So what's your story, Julian? So again, I'm really bad with coming up with like a specific story, but I just think like something that I've learned is more so along the lines of like, you just never know what's going to happen and I mean again that just speaks to what Shanice was just saying but like me and my friends we have this concept that we always talk about that when something like super crazy happens we just say pipeline because you never know what's coming down the pipeline right so um I think me just like as again you play more and as I get older and I just experience different things both on and off the court I've learned that again you don't know what's going to happen and and what has happened so when i'm on the court for example when i first started playing i would get so um like upset if i had a bad start to a match and say i went down or we went down whoever my partner was for nothing i'd be like oh my god this game is over like i'm totally shitting the bed like da 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 da, da. and now i've been on just so many different sides of the coin, whether it's like I've been up 17-11 and lost the game or I've been down 17-11 and come back and, and won. And I just like, I genuinely think that like having the ability to like reset and be present, like it's taken me a long time to learn. Um, but that just completely changed my life and the way I play. So even something a little bit <laughs> like more extreme is that the uh, middle of February, I tore my hamstring. And I felt so gutted for our team. Like, I know that I'll, like, would heal. But, like, Shanice has been through, <laughs> as she said, the shoulder surgery or knee surgery. And then last year she caught pneumonia. I'm like, God, like, come on. Let's just get this girl a break. And then I ripped my hamstring. And I'm like, man, like, I just really felt 
gutted because we had made so many strides and I was so stoked for this season. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be fine. Like my body heals quickly. I'm really strict with my rehab, whatever. And then COVID-19 comes and the whole season's canceled, which like my hamstring is no longer important, right? In the grand scheme of things. So it's just like, you never know what's coming. And this like my past history of like overreacting or maybe kind of freaking out a little bit too prematurely. Um, yeah, you just, you just never know. So that presence is, is the biggest thing I think that I've learned. One thing, one thing I've recently adopted, like a belief, I guess, is the best things kind of happen out of necessity, like when mm. you need it, you know, and, and there's all these things that we kind of want to happen, but they're not going to happen until you need it to, if that makes sense, you know, totally. like, like, yeah. And I think that the universe will continue to teach you a lesson until you learn it. Like that same thing is, is going to keep coming up. It might look in different ways, but until at least that's the way I see it, until you're able to overcome something, it's, it's going to continue to be present there. And you can, you can wish it all you want. Like, Oh, why can't I stop overreacting or, you know, whatever it may be until you really need it to. And that's when it's going to kind of hit you the most. And that's when it's going to stick. So, so yeah, very, very cool. Everything's intertwined, pipeline, happenstance. <laughs> pipeline. I'll have, to, I'll have to start using that for sure. So uh, last big story. What is what is the story you are most proud of thus far? Oh, go first again? <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I just finished talking, so I'm like, you go. <laughs> no, it's totally great. Okay. Yeah, I think the, the story that I'm most proud of has been something that has been continuing over the last... I don't even know how long I've played, but the last, let's say, 15 years of my life, um, like I'm most proud of my ability to keep going and to keep believing in my dream, however far away or silly it seems. Like when I first started playing volleyball, I wanted nothing more than to be, and this is totally bizarre, an Olympian in track and field. And I wasn't even like that good at track and field, but I knew I wanted to like, <laughs> to be on that type of stage. And I think all the decisions that I've made in my life, um, all the sacrifices that I've made, all the injuries that I've had to go through. I'm like most proud of my ability to like face that head on and continue to keep trying instead of like giving up and walking away. I mean, I'm turning 30 in like 10 days. 10 days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> turning 30 in 10 days. And I think if you would have asked me if I'd still be playing at this point when I was younger, I'd be like, no way. I'd like have a, a normal job and I'd be doing like boring and mon mundane things. Um, even though volleyball can be boring and mundane sometimes, <laughs> but just to still be here and still trying to pursue it and <clears throat> not kind of giving up on that dream that I've had for myself. I'm, I'm most proud of that. Cool. Cool. What about you? I have two, um, moment so the first one was in 2017 um my partner at the time Camille Saxon and I won two back-to-back -back gold medals on the world tour which uh one was like yay those are sweet but then to get the like second one in a row was the first time that any Canadians had done that and so I was just again I have never really been one to be emotional okay I'm an emotional person let's be honest but I've never like <laughs> cried from happiness like how Shanice was saying before with her um match winning celebration and I remember like hugging Camille after and I was just crying and I was like 
what is going on? Like that was such a new um, reaction for me. And I'm still very proud of that. And then most recently with um, Shanice and I, we won nationals um, last year in 2019. And I had come second the two previous years, which I was like, come on. And um, Shanice and I dug ourselves in a bit of a hole for that. Like we, uh, we didn't have a, a great first, I think it must have been one of our first matches. We ended up getting upset and we just didn't have a good game. So we weren't like freaking out about it again because we've learned we don't need to freak out. We were actually kind of laughing like, well, we just busted the whole bracket. That's all <laughs> we kept saying. So we knew we'd kind of like put ourselves in a bit of a corner, um, which again, doesn't matter because all we can do is, is the next task at hand and just take it one match at a time. But we ended up um, beating the McNamara twins who are ranked ahead of us um, in international points. And then another good team, um, another obviously Canadian team, and that was who was going to be on the podium. But since we busted the bracket, we had to do it way earlier in the tournament and unfortunately eliminated them. Sorry, girls. But uh, we ended up, yeah, winning nationals. So I was proud of us for that. And let's not forget, we were both nearly dead in the finals, just trucking along. Yeah. <laughs> super hot. We were out of energy. It was like a third match of the day. We were just like, one more point, let's go. Well, it's just a totally different structure than we're used to playing. Like normally we play two games max in a day. And with like these domestic events that we have, yeah, like Shanice said, it's like three or four matches in a day. You're like having to help ref, like again, the glamorous life of beach volleyball. Um, it was just a lot that we weren't used to. So we were totally bagged. Like <laughs> it was... There's there's like, like, yeah, there's video of it on YouTube, and if you watch the match, there's like timeouts, and both of us are just sitting in our whatever you want to call it on our seats, just not saying a word to each other, just sitting there staring blankly ahead. <laughs> we had to persevere. <laughs> but what people don't understand about beach volleyball, and this is only what I I found out just being in it, is it's so much more than like just the however many weeks the Olympics are with all these tournaments and the one through five stars and the points and everything like that. And, and if you're not the, the biggest, baddest team, you got to make it through the qualities, which is like, you know, two, three, four matches in two days before the actual tournament itself. And just like, it, it only makes you respect kind of the Olympians that much more, but you have to understand everything that goes before it to like really appreciate it. And anyone who has never played, and I recently started playing beach this spring before all this stuff happened but man it is hard it's super fun but it's super hard and it's just like one match like a three-step match is like an hour or so you know yeah. and then and then it's like an hour break and then you got to do it all again and then an hour break mm -hmm. and you got to do it all again you know and then for days at a time it's just running and sand sucks <laughs> moral of my story <laughs> it's jumping. crazy yeah the olympics is actually once you make it to the olympics is considered an easier okay I'm, i realize what i'm saying sounds crazy but it's an easier tournament in the sense that there are less teams there and you don't have to plan a one qualification tournament the day before the tournament starts right whereas like other tournaments 
you're flying to tournaments, not even knowing if you're in the event, if you're playing in that qualification, like the day before. And then like world championships, for example, there's a lot more teams there. I think it's like 40 something teams there. I mean, obviously the journey to the Olympics encompasses all of these other things, which is why it's so crazy. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a battle getting there. A very, very cool world in and of itself. So do you guys have one to three things that the listener can do tomorrow to start becoming better actionable things, simple, complex, anything? I think like, again, the first thing for me is just mindfulness. Like what you think is happening and what is actually happening are not the same things. What I mean by that is, again, I used to be quick to just react to things and I still am. I'm still like a work in progress, but just me having a mindfulness practice every day, just 10 minutes in the morning has allowed me to create a bit more space and awareness knowing that I'm about to freak out. Like I can, I can feel my physiology changing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen white, white chicks, but do you know what white chicks are? It's like, I'm going to have a BF. Do you know what I'm talking about? So I, what, now that like I'm here with um, Sam and we've been in isolation for how long has it been now? Two months. I can feel myself like starting something coming on. I just look at him like, I'm going to have a BF. So just knowing that I'm about to have a freak out uh, to me is a win because I used to not even know it was coming. I would just like get upset. So now I can feel it coming, take a couple breaths, have that space and then try and move on. So that would be my first actionable item. I use headspace if anyone's um interested in that and then my other one would be more i mean that that is related to sport for sure but uh shanice and i both have struggled with confidence she has already mentioned that she was struggling with confidence and i was too a few years ago 2018 was um a really tough season for me and i didn't have a lot of confidence after that and i started working with a sports psych and her and i together like she completely changed my life um and managed to help me kind of get through that and I was only ever remembering the things that I was doing poorly if I was making an error uh that's what I was remembering and her and I together we started actually making notes of all the things that I was doing well so that I could recall that in times when I needed it most so even like match point or something in a in a drill and a practice like I was able to perform, score, terminate the drill, game's over, yay, I win. And I wasn't drawing enough focus to those moments. I was doing it all the time, but I was like, yeah, I should be doing that. I should be scoring points and then moving on, if that makes sense, because that's my job. But I wasn't giving myself enough credit and celebrating those points. I was only remembering the bad things. So just... So Shanice and I have talked about this before is like celebrating these smaller victories because they're so important and they allow you to create confidence for yourself and as a team to draw back on when you are struggling or (laughs) dying like we were last year uh, when you're fatigued or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So just understanding that not everything's going to be perfect, but if you know when a freak out is going to happen or just more aware of your emotions, you know, just kind of being in tune with that, you can figure out the best way to handle whatever it may be and reflection, I guess, if I had to put another word to it, whether it's reflecting on kind of the pipeline every now and again, just, just appreciating where you are or reflecting, you know, more frequently, whether it's after every practice or every day and just, you know, realizing how much you kind of can do and 
just being more present. So yeah, I think exactly. I think and and with that, sorry, is just that there are certain situations in matches or games no matter what the sport is but for us say we're winning 20 2019 we need to side out we need to score side out meaning pass that and hit the ball to win the set or the match that used to make me nervous because I would think if I don't get this I've blown the lead or whatever the case may be and now in my mind I'm like oh 2019 okay let's just get a side out and then it's like very anticlimactic (laughs) But in my head, which I love now, because I'm like, let's go, like, okay, let's just do this, go home and rest, right? But before it used to, like, bring me more fear. And now I just, I have that awareness to be like, it could go this way, or it could go this way, if that makes any sense. But yeah. Yeah, understanding how you usually react and how you want to react and just understanding that it's a process and trying to bridge that gap. I like to say it's it's not the awful day that's awful. It's the awful day you don't expect, you know? So um, just understanding that stuff might not be the most optimal or you might not react necessarily how you want to or whatever it may be, but just knowing that, you know, where you are and where you want to be aren't the farthest apart, you know, and, and you're going to figure it out soon. So yeah, being present, reflect, pipeline, all, all that good stuff. <laughs> what about you, Shanice? The most, like, powerful tool that I think that I've used has been like clarifying my goals and then writing them down and this is something that I've done since university Um, I can distinctly remember like things that I wanted to accomplish for the season whether it's like the amount of points that I want to score or I wanted to be in the top five of hitting percentage for the year or I want to make the national team like whatever it is I would always write it down and have it be somewhere where it's visible to me where I could look at it whenever I needed to Um, and yeah that's something that I've tried to do every year and make it something that I think that I can accomplish but also something that's maybe like a little bit outside of my um, comfort zone and something that will stretch my boundaries and push me a little bit further um, in order to accomplish. But I think if I have it written down somewhere and I can like reflect on that, um, <clears throat> that's been really powerful for me in accomplishing what I have. Yeah, I, I like how you said comfort zone. And that's actually something a few people or a few guests I've had have said just writing different stuff down, whether it's goals or values and things like that. Just like the act of like committing to write it down and having it in a tangible place you can reference, it just takes out so much guesswork as opposed to just like having them kind of in the back of your head. You kind of know what you want to do or or whatever it may be. But I think that's super important. Like I said, just taking out the guesswork, you know, whether it's, whether it's your core values or your philosophy, you know, it's going to guide kind of your, you already have your decision-making process mapped out, you know, or, or whether it's your goals, you already have kind of your, your plan or, you know, where you want to go you know, and then you just have to figure out how to do it. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I think it helps like keep you a little bit more accountable in committing to yourself. If you actually write it down, like if it's something that you're just thinking about in your head, like you'll probably forget about it in a week or two, but if you actually write it down, then you can be like, okay, I'm committing to this for whatever period of time. And I can reflect back on it and see whether I did it or not. Exactly. Tie it all together. You write it down, you commit, and then you reflect on it later. So. <laughs> 
I think I think that is a, a perfect end to this podcast. Is there anything you guys prepared that you want to toss out there really quick? I, I think we flushed out a lot of stuff, but just want to open it up if there's anything else. That's good for me. Thanks so much for having yeah. us. I really appreciate it. It was nice to reconnect with you. Yeah, fantastic. So <laughs> thank you very much for you guys' time. Um, after processing and all this stuff, I will get you guys links kind of like I said, and I look forward to chatting next. Beautiful. Thanks, thank Matt. You.